Hey everyone, welcome to Untucked. Uh, this week we have a guest joining us. Matt McGee is a personal trainer out of Westchester. Um, so we're excited to have him on the pod. We open with a conversation around um, women inheriting a bunch of wealth and then a little more generally women in wealth management. Um, and then we spend a good amount of time talking about uh, exercise, physical activity, personal training, and some of the connections between that industry and financial services. Um, and we wrap up with top five fictional political characters. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 34 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff. And this is Matt. Matt McGee is joining us. You're a personal trainer and owner of Fitness Matters. That's correct. So how about you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Went to Westchester many, many moons ago to uh, play football. Graduated and got a job recently thereafter down in Delaware. Soon bought the business that I was working for. Renamed to Fitness Matters and have been doing that for the past 25 years. Been seeing clients there, have employees. Um, do see some clientele up at my house here in Westchester. Um, and we'll do some Zoom calls and FaceTime during this pandemic. Um, so, and usually, typically it's one-on-one. -on -one, although small groups are also an option as far as kids and sports teams and those type of things. Um, and uh, what, what we really base our philosophy of the personal training on is we like to start with a can-do philosophy of it. You don't come in and say, hey, let, let's see what you can't do because we're going to test you and see how bad you are at everything we're going to try to do. But I just have somebody move around a little bit and see what they can do. And then we build upon that based on their goals because, you know, we, we, all, we all get tested all the time. And, and nobody likes to perform badly on a test, right? So physically we're all at a different starting point and that's not why you come to a personal trainer or seek out somebody's advice on fitness is to be told that you're not doing well because if you seek somebody out to help you with your fitness that's probably because you want help and so we try to say okay let's see what you can do and then what are your goals and let's this is how we're going to get there so um that's pretty much how we structure things and get people started awesome thanks matt um we're going to go through our, our kind of normal routine today. The uh, second article, uh, we're going to focus on has a um, pretty specific fitness topic. So um, Matt's going to chime in here with us in our during our coach's corner, and then we'll um, get into his expertise uh, towards the middle and end of the pod. So Jeff, now to your fun fact. Did you guys know that... Um... 80% of a child's intelligence is acquired from their mother. This feels like a fun fact he didn't prepare for. Yeah. I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure this is a fact. Can you give more? I did ample research <laughs> in preparing for this fun fact three seconds before we started recording. I have, no, I have nothing else other than that. It's true. 80%. Where do you mom. get your facts? Do you have a database? This one, which isn't my favorite source, is from 77facts.com. <laughs> and 77facts.com actually has about 4,000 facts on it. So I don't know why it's called 77facts.com. Okay. I mean, I can't, I can't dispute it. I don't have any you know, competing evidence. I'm just going to have to take your fact word for it. Okay. <laughs> Would you be surprised to know that... Women carry the intelligence gene? No, a thousand percent not. Says the woman. <laughs> <laughs> we can ask all of your wives. And in front of them, we'll say, no, we're not surprised either. <laughs> you took a lot of like anatomy classes, right? I would assume. Um, more pertaining to the muscles and not the brain, I suppose. Okay. I, I, guess, I guess that doesn't bide too well with the muscle head uh, <laughs> stereotype, does it? <laughs> But uh, no, we didn't. We didn't come across that fact all right. in our research. <laughs> That's all I have for today, Meg. All right. 
I mean, should we just start with the flyers since that's like our? How can you not? Yeah, I'd like to before you get into it say that day one flyers fan. Let's go for the cup. I'm in. <laughs> now you're in. <laughs> yes, as of now. I will say, I think I owe Mike and probably Owen a formal public apology. We spoke before this season started because the Flyers have traditionally not made the playoffs as of recently or barely made it, and they mm-hmm. just couldn't get the team together that was that could compete. I remember saying you know, at the end of last year's playoffs, they are far below the best teams out there. It was It was obvious on the ice. And you and Owen said... This year we're excited. We like we think they have a chance to to be better. I don't think you expected them to be like a number one seed, but to be better. And I was like, no way. We're talking like four to five years. So yeah. I mean, I, they, they really the number one seed's kind of fake because that they were, you know, they were probably what fourth in the conference come into this, and they they had a little round robin three game kind of meaningless exhibition kind of prep work. To determine the seating, so I don't really, I don't really say, oh, they finished first overall in their conference, but they're the team no one wants to play. It's been that way all year, not all year, probably second half of the year. Um, everyone's super impressed with them. Everyone by by everyone, I mean like the the observers in the hockey community. Um, they have just line after line of depth, and they're just rolling and they're playing great. Um, it's awesome. And they play they, the puck drops in about an hour and a half. So <laughs> uh, Mike's on a, a very time. limited time schedule today. Guys, but, this is going to be but, released like a week after the game. <laughs> but when when the NHL came out with their whole plan and, and it was like, okay, we're going to start up games and playoffs, and here's how we're going to do it. It's going to be like three games, three, four, five games in a row every day, like March Madness for hockey. I was like, oh, I hope this happens. This will be the best. And I've been watching, like, every game. I watched one hockey game. The Flyers' first game against Montreal. That's it. That's it? Yeah. I mean, why would you watch anything else? So I'm getting a haircut, and maybe this segues into Phillies, but, like, and and they have, like, the Pirates and the Reds on yesterday. Baseball, you mean? Yes. Yeah. On all the TVs in in the the place. You have NHL playoffs going on, and you can't put the – Put the, the you know the game on. No, that's how many people Pirates in this a- area care about any other hockey other than the Flyers. What's the clientele of your salon? Dudes. Old people, just dudes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't mean because you're no. I mean baseball is old people because Mike's old. Yeah, <laughs> no, old people. Thanks, Mike. No. no, anyway, we don't have to um, belabor the hockey part, but the the it's awesome. I mean, the hockey itself is great to it's great to watch a live sport. I mean, I don't know about. NBA because I, I will not watch that or baseball as you know but you will not watch it I will not because why baseball is incredibly boring uh-huh. and painful to watch um, <laughs> and the NBA only uh, this is this is if the Sixers were in like I'd say conference finals or beyond I'll watch that's it well they're not going to be there so <laughs> don't plan on watching any basketball this year the Flyers looked phenomenal in the first game against Montreal. Carter Hart, he's the saving grace. I mean, obviously, every line is rolling. They're all playing very well. Some of them are playing above their potential. Carter Hart being between the pipes and, and them having the confidence in their goaltending, I think is obviously the game changer. Yeah, 100%. He, yeah. he played unbelievable. I mean, he played great. Other than the Flyers, I'm not going to watch any hockey. You're missing good stuff. It's been... You know, five overtime games. He watched a five overtime ref, ref like bad calls, controversial calls. Um, Rod Brindamore getting fined twenty five k for saying this league's a joke. I mean, really? Yeah, it's all. I mean, it's only that's awesome. We're like four days into it. It's great. <laughs> so no one's watched the Phillies. Am no. I the only one that watches every day? Every day, I've watched pretty much every game. Yeah, not yeah. a single inning. No. I do like Bryce Harper, like signaling to the front office to sign him about JT Realmuto. Realmuto, yeah. But that I see that on Twitter. So I've not watched a single at bat, not a single pitch. So the Phillies suck. Is that correct? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, that's they're, the, they're not playing well. Is what I mean. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's the Cliff's Notes version. Okay, uh, they're bull, They have no bull. They have no bullpen whatsoever. Um, if they have a five to two lead, and the and the starting pitcher leaves in the sixth or seventh inning, they've lost the game. There's no. There's no way they're going to win the game. I think it was like four to three yesterday. They lost eleven to four. Whoa. Yeah, soon as uh, Arietta came out of the game, he gave up like a a three run base clearing double to put them down maybe like six to four. They took him out of the game and then the bullpen gave up like five runs immediately. Yeah, it's bad. They have zero pitching. How's the new manager doing? I don't think he has much to work with. Like he doesn't have if you don't have a bullpen. Your starting pitcher is going to give you five good innings, maybe six. And then if they don't put up 12 runs, dude, they had, I forget who they played a few days ago, a few nights ago. They were up like 13 to three. It ended like 13 nine in the bottom of the night. Like they almost lost the game because we were all sitting there going, oh my God, watch. And they almost lost it. They were up like over 10 runs and almost lost. Um, So I don't, I don't know if Girardi, he's made a few questionable moves that people have been like, like he took Aaron Nola out in the sixth inning after the sixth inning when he only threw 88 pitches, knowing, I don't know if Girardi knew at this point that the bullpen was horrible. But, you know, your, your starting pitcher went six good innings, 88 pitches, take him out, put your bullpen in. They lost the game. Yeah. They're 0-9 in Nola's last nine starts. Actually, he might have won his last one. But there were a point where he was 0-9. Yeah, they're bad. They're, they're, it's, it's clear if they don't. Make changes right now in their bullpen. They're they're not going anywhere. But I don't. I mean, baseball. I kind of feel like when you go from a hundred and sixty-two, sixty-two to sixty, is that really even like a true season? It's a dramatic improvement in my book. (laughs) (laughs) From a viewership standpoint, (laughs) and to think about football only has what sixteen games. Yeah, maybe Uh maybe it makes each game that much more watchable. For people, for fans, that because each one means a little bit more. It certainly means more to each of those players. I mean, if 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 the Phillies go on like a ten game losing stretch, it's like it's over, or or a six or seven game losing streak, then it's over. They're not going to yeah. make the playoffs. There is no difference though in the sound, like how the game sounds now versus in prior years. It's all just like silence. Because it's just a picnic. Everyone's out there just like, yeah, you know, not even paying attention probably because how could you? I don't miss the sounds in hockey, in basketball, in all the sports, live sports I've watched since, since they started back up. I don't miss the fact that there's no fans there. I kind of like it because you do hear a little bit more of the on-court like chirping and stuff. Now with yeah. basketball, there's a lot of music and they, a lot of crowd noise that they pump in, but you've gotten – a couple audio of some pe- like guys on the floor, and I think that's entertaining. Yeah. So I think with most sports, that's always what the fans want to see is mm-hmm. what, what did the coach say in the locker room after the game? Mm-hmm. What, did, what did that player say to the other player when they were lined up against one another, right? That, that's what the fans want more yeah. than anything. Yeah, agreed. Are they miking up the area more now because they have the ability to hear that stuff, or are they just going business as usual? I'm not sure. I would say they're probably not miking more because they have to be careful of language. Like, language, but I, I don't know the answer to that. Gotcha. And, and hockey, I think, is on a five-second delay. Maybe okay. okay. So they did that deliberately because they know it's nothing but F-bombs and <laughs> probably some other <laughs> stuff that the players may regret saying yeah, you know, yeah. to right. one another. I don't know if I even want to talk about the Sixers. There's nothing to talk about. Six seed play the Celtics without Ben Simmons. They're going to lose. I mean, do you think they're going to beat the Celtics? If I'm being totally, totally honest with myself, no. Right. But I'm just trying to, I don't know, have when a little bit start? of optimis- optimism Monday. Huh? Sports, Sixers, do you have any additions there? No. Well, you're a football guy. I mean, you've, uh, uh, you're, he's a Steelers guy, too, I, I should preface with. Mm. Uh-oh. Yeah. As you as know. you sit there in your Eagles uh, <laughs> yeah. Eagles green, my Eagles green. Yeah, I didn't know we were allowed to have non Phillies 
sports fans participating in the sure. Phillies sports commentary. <laughs> you know for your next guest. Huh? I'm assuming NFL's moving forward as planned. Any anybody know of any? I just the only thing I saw was games may be on Saturdays as well, based on the fact that college football won't be going. Well, I heard a very interesting argument today, and on your favorite news outlet, WIP Sports in Philadelphia. Jesus. Um, no, Angelo Cattati made a really good point. They have to. They have the NFL is going to have to streamline streamline it across every team because you can't allow the Cowboys to have fans when they play home, right? And mm-hmm. no other team have that advantage of having fans cheering for them. So yeah. it either has to be. They're all allowed to have fans and, and will, or they all can't. Yeah. Which it's going to be, they all can't. Yeah. They all what? They all can't have fans. Because the, I, I think I'd, the... Glo- I'd, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, the global decision is going to be that you can't have large groups together. Mm-hmm. So, but... Well, and we all, we all know the way it goes when you put sports fans together and introduce alcohol, that <laughs> are they going to do the right thing or the wrong thing? It's yeah. probably going to be the wrong thing, and they're, they won't take those chances i don't think i guess i'm just like the nhl and the nba and the WNBA have had so much success bubbling their teams if the nfl is not going to bubble how no does chance. it happen i guess that's like the bigger question is like logistically is there even going to be an nfl season and i just i don't i don't see how i agree nfl should bubble <laughs> but when so when we started though today, um, my daughters have been playing travel field hockey and lacrosse all summer, and it's one parent per game, and we wear masks and you know stay, you know feet so many feet apart. Sure. Everything's been pretty much fine from what we've heard as far as feedback and everything else. That I mean I'm not you know saying that there should be fans because mm-hmm. it's a different scenario holding people in an arena, but I think. Be partly because it's outside that you might be able to get away with more and having stuff indoors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm shocked that your basketball went through without major consequences. I mean, there were major consequences for some of the other teams in that, you know, someone was exposed to or tested positive for COVID. So the team effectively had to end their season. Okay. My team just didn't. Right. So we got to experience as much of it, you know, as we could, but it was the same idea. It was one parent when <clears throat> when they were able to spectate. It was one parent per kid. Um, certain arena, certain gyms we were in, like were using every other court. So they did things to try mm-hmm. to manage it as best they could. They take your temperature when you walk in, which I don't even know what that does. But uh, you know, there was that type of stuff. Everyone was masked except the girls, and it worked for the teams that it worked for. And then yeah. For others, their season ended early. But so, like high school football, I, th- I think like when the when the state has said, okay, high school sports is for now. We're we're punting for a couple of weeks, and they're trying to figure out a plan. Like, you know, a, a, a Friday night high school football game is so much different than you know a girls field hockey game at four p.m. after school, where yeah. you know there's a total of thirteen people there anyway. Um, so I don't know if they can shut down some sports and allow others because because football's a problem because you know stadiums packed with students and fans and spectators and that, that makes it hard coach's corner the future of wealth management is female this was written by mary beth franklin for investment news mary beth's article features data from mckinsey's north american wealth and asset management practices new report Women as the next wave of growth in U.S. wealth management. This report estimates that by 2030, American women are expected to control much of the 30 th- $30 trillion in financial assets that baby boomers will possess. And Mary Beth discusses the changes in approach financial planning firms should consider to retain female assets. Take us out, Meg, as a resident female. <laughs> Well, I would like to say that I will not be part of this $30 trillion asset transfer. No. <laughs> no. I feel like this is a, an article that's been written 500,000 times <laughs> before in the past 10, 15 years. It's the same. It's nothing new here. 
this is all well known. Women live longer than men. That they're going to be the recipients of a of a lot of wealth transfer. And as a practitioner, you need to be set up to handle that. Which I think the implication is hire women women advisors, right? Um, so I don't know. I read the article like, hmm, is it a slow news week? And we're just like <laughs> recycling some of the old stuff from yeah. from before. So I don't know. Jeff, what do you got? The the premise is something that we've known about. I don't know if the general public or like Matt even think about that kind of stuff. That there is this complete dominance in our industry of guys. Like it's all old white men that give financial advice to the American public. Yeah, the 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 higher net worth of them being other old white men. Right. It's a bunch of old white guys talking Both sides to other, of the table. <laughs> talking to other yes. old white guys. Yes. And I would say the demographic that's like fifty and older, it's fifty and older like households. They work with an old white financial advisor guy, male, and that male advisor is just talking to the man. Like they write articles about how to, to advisors, when you're talking to a couple, remember to make eye contact with the wife because she's going to outlive the husband and you want to retain those assets when he dies. Like, no, you should look at the wife because you're a decent human being and you're speaking to both people, not just the other old white dude across the table. So I just, like, I don't know if the world really realizes that there is a, there's a, there's an amount of advisors out there that are female that can that that should be marketing themselves more because in a lot of cases they can empathize more with the people sitting across the table because they understand how dudes think and they also understand how women think and most guys can't do the opposite they can't understand how the how the woman feels and they and they usually misread the guy I basically just said all male financial planners are horrible planners. <laughs> that's that's good business practice. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind when I talk about personal training. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, yes, the implication is that you should hire female advisors. I think it's also, it's beyond female. Like to your point, Jeff, it's, diversity in general, right? It's people who look different, people who uh, have different ethnicities, people of different ages. Um, and this idea of like kind of inclusivity in this industry that has typically been very white male dominated because uh, it's going to lead to better relationships, longer relationships uh, when you can sit across the table from someone who looks like you or who you have some sort of commonality with. Um, it matters. And I think it matters a lot when you're talking about something as personal as money and your financial plan. We've been in meetings where it's a, uh, we referred to a, uh, a widow and it would be Megan and I sitting in the meeting and we're doing like our first like intake meeting and we're talking and it's clear the woman doesn't like dislike me, but just absolutely has gravitated to Meg. And it's like, that's, this is the person I want to talk to. And I want to get advice from. It's just, it's funny how it just, immediately happens well is that just human nature though too that women are going to gravitate towards women i mean on a personal level and she's a widow just lost her husband they just i think they find more comfort initially in sure a female sure i mean with with within those situations um i think it also matters that they know or they feel that that woman they're talking to has the chops has the what? The chops. Has the ability to be a good financial or is a good financial planner. But I guess the point I'm making is, does it is it something a little bit more just basic before it's about financial planning? It's about, hey, she's a female. I'm a female. She can relate to what I'm going through or she, she's, she's a woman. I'm a woman. And then um, first and foremost, is that the initial sell for the, female customer coming in and having both you and Megan there? Probably. Yeah. I would say so. so. Especially in that example as a, as a widow, I would have to believe that there's a... Right, because I, I think a lot of times too, when, you know, in a lot of facets of life where, whether it be a doctor or a, 
you know, a therapist or somebody you seek out, like if you, if you and your wife go for marriage counseling, like here's the age old question, right? You go to a female counselor, or a male counselor, and why? Because you go to a guy and you leave this counseling session, and what's the woman immediately say? Well, he agreed with you because he's a guy, <laughs> right? Well, okay, so let's go see. Like, because again, you can't get away from the fact that men are going to think like men and women are going to think like women. And to whoever made the point earlier, are you willing to, you know, when you guys were mentioning the older white being comfortable with the older white giving advice well are you comfortable sitting across from somebody that doesn't look like you and isn't the same sex as you but still respecting them enough to say hey i'm not i'm not here to judge who they are i'm here to get advice about finances and yeah they know a lot about that so that's why i'm here it's not that they have to look like i do or be the same sex as i am in order to benefit from what they know yeah and and Another sort of irony is that you read studies about how women are better investors than men generally because they're um, they're less know-it-alls generally. <laughs> yeah, um, we all know like plenty of males who think they know everything or they're 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 overactive in their investments and they do a lot of things wrong. Where I think, I mean, I just read tons of of articles around um, the fact that generally speaking, women are better at it. Than men. So as a client, you, you look at it and you say, well, I'd rather have women as clients than men because <laughs> they're, they get it. They're smarter than a patient, you know, all that kind of stuff. Obviously generalizations, but. But not far off. I mean, right. We've witnessed that in our client relationships and couples. I mean, the women get it. The men try to prove that they know what we're talking about or they're smarter than us. And the women are more, and this is obviously a generality, they're more apt to just say, you know what, I, I don't understand. Can you please explain that to me? And then, and then also um, trust your advice and take it. Not that the men don't, but they're a harder sale. And it, it, you have to prove to the guy that you know what you're talking about. Almost like show him in front of his wife how wrong he is <laughs> and like provide fact for him to be like, okay, I, I believe you. Whereas the wife usually is just like accepting and understanding and yeah. I think there are though a... a, a again, maybe to unfairly generalize, a group of women, particularly of the boomer age group who were kind of like professionally successful in their own right at a time when you didn't see that as much from women, right? I think the women now, women now generally are, you know, more valued, have a lot more experience and success in the workplace. And boomer women typically didn't. A lot of them were stay at home. And the women of that age group who worked feel often entitled to um, a level of something that I think is really unattainable from a service standpoint. Like I know we've engaged with women, again, who have been very professionally successful, but feel, I don't know if like jilted is the right word, like everybody's out to get them because they're a high-powered successful female so i think like i'm i'm a chick obviously and i think there's a lot of things that dudes do that make our job hard there's a lot of things that chick a lot of things that chicks do those particular chicks as well that you know they come off very defensive they have their guard up they feel like everyone's trying to take advantage of them and it makes a job like ours where there has to be an element of trust there has to be an element of yes, I want to. I want to raise my hand and ask questions. That like, if they're not willing to do those things, I don't care if it's me sitting across the table. I don't care if it's a dude. I don't care if it's a white person, a black person. There's not going to be anyone who they look at that they value enough to like pay for advice. Yeah, agree with that hundred percent. There are there's a certain demographic of single women in particular. Yes, that have this guard up. And they're constantly looking for where you slipped up, where, you, where you're not doing right by them. They're completely skeptical and you can't work with them. And I'm just, it'll be interesting to see if as professional women grow up, you know, like as women, like my age group or, you know, maybe the age group ahead of me who have been working for longer. And like, that's kind of just been the expectation that they're, you know, in the workplace in some form or fashion, if that continues, or if this is because those boomer age women happen to be like 
unique in their professional experience? I guess we'll see. I think Mary Beth, I mean, I understand her article, hire women advisors, but I think it's more like advisors are going to have to learn if they don't know how to do it already to relate to women, single women, and to be able to, to present and advise to them um, in a way that they can relate to them successfully. Because I think there's some people that just miss, miss the mark. I'm sure you've, you probably have something similar in your business, Matt. Like you train everybody differently, right? I mean, you have some people that are that are shy and timid and you have to push along and you have other people that want to like go harder and do more than you really want them to do. You have to rein them in. I'm sure there's, there's ways that you treat different personalities, right? Um, all the time. And going back to somebody's point as far as, um, I think, Jeff, you made the point where men – aren't as willing to listen as the female sometimes. Absolutely. I run across that exact same thing with the personal training that the men almost want to come in and, oh, yeah, I know how to do this and I know how to do that. Whereas the women are just an open, like, yeah, just tell me how, oh, do it like that. Okay. I'll do it. Like, and they're more willing to learn, which maybe that's just a difference in sexes that the men want to believe that they know it all, whereas the women are more willing to learn and that's a little bit easier to coach. I think it's like one of the first things I said to you when I started with you was, look, I've been doing this for a while. I think I know, I think I know what I'm doing. And as it turns out, like, I don't know shit about lifting or working out and was doing it wrong for years. Well, at least that's what he's brainwashed me to do. As you sit recovering from a shoulder surgery, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. It just reminds me that we've used the analogy of, what we do with clients to what Matt you do with your clients because there's a lot of the same, you know, challenges and same disciplines and and sort of incentives involved. So yeah, the key to sticking to an exercise program, it's supposed to feel easy. Steve Magnus, <laughs> um, I guess it's a blog, the Growth Equation. Steve's article uh, takes on the no pain, no gain mantra of so many workout routines that because of their sheer and continued difficulty often lead to people giving up rather than maintaining a doable and regular workout routine. So I guess his point is to keep people consistently working out. Um, Your workouts should feel easy. So I read this and immediately thought of Matt. And you jump in when I'm done to let me know if I'm right or wrong with this. So I have self-admittedly, I'm a bit of a tweaker. So I will get a workout from Matt and I'll do it. And every exercise I do, I try to like do as hard as I can. And the next week, if it's a similar exercise, I'll try to do heavier weight and than I did the previous week. And just kind of like really beat the shit out of myself with every workout. And now his workouts, I'll do like three days a week. So those three lifting workouts, I'll pretty much kill myself. And thought that was pretty good. But then every time I see him, we start with like a main exercise, like a bench press. And you really kind of go balls out on that. And then all the other exercises that you do, like let's say you do five exercises after that, they're all like, I think he called it like ancillary exercise. Like you don't have to kill yourself. We already killed ourselves with a real main muscle group exercise. The other stuff doesn't have to be balls to the wall to, to have an effective workout. And I, I think that's what I've learned from him. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm smiling when I hear Jeff talk because if if I've given Jeff five sets of lunges to do and I write BW by the first set of lunges, meaning just do your body weight, Jeff says, well, Matt, I normally start with 20 pounds in each hand. And it's like, well, Jeff, no. I, I want you to start with just your body weight because it's your first exercise for the day and you should warm up per se and then we'll get heavier um, and, and I don't know what the definition of tweaker is as far as, but that, that's something where not every workout, not every set, not every rep can be the hardest that you go because your body will just fatigue and you'll burn out and you won't want to do it anymore or you'll get hurt. Um, and that's something that, you know, and I think, you know, as much as we joke about it, your shoulder injury is something that through the years of, you know, it's not from you working out, but as a result of something that grew in the calcium deposits that um, I, I really, and we might have to leave the room because Jeff's head's going to get a little big, but yeah. I wish most of my clients wanted to work out as hard as Jeff went and was as consistent as Jeff because he makes my job easy. But um, 
it's when when he mentions as far as the workouts being easy, I would rather use the word enjoyable and that you got to find what you like because there, there's there's nobody that's going to stick to an exercise program if they don't, especially as an adult. As a kid, if you say, well, we're going to run sprints at the end of practice today, you know, that's something that people put up with because they want to get in shape and they want to make the team. But as an adult, if you don't like sprinting, how long are you going to sprint for exercise? You're not going to do it, right? So it's so easy to talk yourself out of it if you don't like doing it, yeah. right? Like, you know, and skip it or, or just punt. I'll do it tomorrow, whatever. Yeah. And Mike, it's a great point because it's the same way with when you talk to somebody about healthy eating and they say, well, what's healthy? What should I eat? And if you give them chicken to eat, but they hate chicken, how long are they going to be on that diet that they have to eat chicken every day? They're not going to do it. So, you know, find what you enjoy and find what you're going to stick with and that you can get the results you're looking for. Um, and some days are going to be harder than others, but it's not, it shouldn't feel like you're dying every day. That That's, that's how I would define tweaker. Because yeah. I would do every ex, every workout like where I kill myself, and I don't like it. But I thought that was the road to success. So I would just keep doing it, <laughs> and and like not stop, like for years. Like I've always been the one who like gauges how good my workout was by how sweaty I was, and I'm naturally a pretty sweaty person, so it didn't like take much. <laughs> but if I would if I would do something for thirty or forty five minutes running, I don't know, biking, whatever, and I just didn't sweat the same way I would exerting myself some other way, that was my bar by which I measured. I've since kind of changed that perspective a little bit, but that was it for me. It wasn't how I felt during or after. It was like, how sweaty is my T-shirt? Okay, so let me ask you this question. That, And just to use an example of somebody wanting to run a marathon, Mm-hmm. A marathon's 26.2 miles the day of the race. And I, I have worked with some marathon runners and, and those type of things. My wife has run marathons, and she'll tell you that you're training for a marathon. And no training day ever do you run 26.2 miles leading up to the marathon. But some days you don't even run 13 miles or 10 miles, and there's a program in order to get good at running 26.2 miles and perform well on that day. Because if you tried to run 26.2 miles a couple times a week to get ready for that for months long, you wouldn't be able to do it. Your body would shut down and you would get injured and those type of things that there's going to be some days that you go out for your training run for that marathon and it's going to feel easy and it should be easy. My brother-in-law who's done the Ironman in California, he does a lot of heart rate monitor training now that once your heart rate gets to a certain point, you slow down. And he's found that he performs much better training that way. And and he'll tell you, he's like, there's a lot of runs where like, I could go faster and harder, but my heart rate's telling me to slow down and I slow down. And then when it comes to race day, I perform much better than I have in years past because he's listening to his body. Because we just can't continue. As I sit here and smile when you say as far as getting how sweaty you are, mm-hmm. that's all what, like, I could set you in a steam room and you could get sweaty. But you're I'm, not necessarily doing anything. Right. right? It's, it's not. If, if the goal is just to just get sweaty, then go get sweaty any yeah. way you want. But if the goal is to lose weight or get stronger or gain flexibility, the, the sweat factor might not always be the end all mm-hmm. to, uh, to monitor your success. So this is how stupid I am when it comes to working out. So I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, Matt. But like I would go and sign up for like a 5K. Right. So it's like, what is it? Like 3.2 miles or something like that. And as I kind of got older, I'd like to see, like, I wonder if I can, how fast I can run it. So that in order to train to see how fast I can do the 5k on 5k race day, I would run 5ks as fast as I could training like on hills. And I don't think that's the way you're supposed to do it. Like throughout the week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Throughout the, you know, month so or if two you- leading up to it. So the month or two leading up to the 5K, every time you went out to train, you would run a 5K. Absolutely. And I would try, like if I ran it in like nine and a half, the next day I ran, I tried to run it in under nine and a half. And the next day I tried to run it faster. So so inevitably, that's like Jeff going into the weight room and saying, hey, if I lifted X week one, next week I'm going to lift X plus five pounds. And then next week I'm going to lift X plus five pounds above that. And then X, there's going to be a ceiling where you're not going to continue to improve, oh, we've right? Met, we've yeah, what, we've met that, that ceiling. Yeah, we've <laughs> met that ceiling. 
I mean, when he lifted 900 pounds, <laughs> 220 was the ceiling. <laughs> but but again, too, even with running or your cardio, there comes a ceiling where the, the body just it'll improve for a little while, and then based off your philosophy of hey, I'm just gonna try to better my 5k time every time I go out. That there's gonna come a point where your body says like, no, we're not gonna do it anymore without some type of back off and. I tried to apply like 40 year old track coaching to, to like my 5k. Like I ran sprints and when we, when we would sprint specifically the 400, our coach would train us. We would do 100s. We would do 200s. We would do 300s, but we would also do 600s. And I remembered that as a kid, like that was awesome that I would run a 600 as fast as I could which made me feel like the 400 was easier because it was le- I mean it was it was a half a lap less. So I was like, well, I'll just run a 5k really hard so then on race day I'll be able to run it faster. It did and it doesn't make any sense, but no, it, uh, you're right. You're right. It doesn't. <laughs> I under- so so Je- here's Jeff's concept. Okay, and in, in I I hope I'm explaining this that people understand it. If Jeff wants to do really good in, in Jeff's mind, if he wants to do really good at a 5k which is roughly three miles. Hey, what I'll start to do is I'll start to run and train and do five miles or 10 miles right. and, and run consistently 10 miles each each time I got to run. So on race day, when I need to run that three miles, I can go really fast. That's not the way the body works. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You'd be better off running one mile at a time, taking a break for 10 minutes, running a mile as fast as you can, taking a break for 10 minutes and doing that five or six times a day and training like that to give yourself a break. And then on race day, when you have to put those miles together and run the three and a half, three miles all together, you'd be faster than running longer and then having to go. It's just the way the body works. Um, it's so. amazing how much of how the body works that I have no idea how it works. And you've like seemingly convinced yourself you oh. do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just I don't I don't necessarily have convinced wrong. myself. I just like, this is the way I'm going to do it because this is like makes sense to me. Well, but but goes back to the goes back to the article as far as it should be easy. There's a lot of science based off of what you want to do to achieve your fitness goals, um, and, and you know the uh, the we all know the movies Rocky and those type of things where like you know I, I don't think that his slugging down the eggs and just like you know doing whatever until <laughs> chase slapping the the, the meat and the, uh, <laughs> yeah right chasing the chicken in yeah. the uh like not necessarily the right science we're talking about there but um yeah it, it follow follow the science yeah. um and uh it, it should get you the results that you're looking for so matt do you think like so variety is a thing that like you hear a lot about like if you if you just do the same exercises week after week after week, you kind of get to a point diminishing returns and, and, you know, people say do a whole bunch of different types of things constantly and rotate. Like, is that, is that fair? Is that legit that you, and, and I know, I mean, that's, that's a general question. Cause like, depends on what your goal is, I guess. But, um, generally speaking to get in just good overall shape, strong, flexible, conditioned, aerobically everything i mean would you say that you should just try to do like every type of exercise under the sun that would be best for you um you answered your own question when you said it depends on your goal and that's always my answer to everybody is what's your goal and when you say to get in shape define get in shape and and that's when we have to be a little bit more specific because to get in shape means something different to everybody Mm -hmm. like somebody might want to get strong define a goal first and then determine what's going to get you to that goal. And again, I, I think variety is great because it keeps people interested. Like yeah. people get bored pretty quickly. But but again, you, you can't go and just say, I'm just going to haphazardly do stuff and different stuff all the time. And then I'm going to be good at everything because we're just not. The, the person that can run the, the best marathon isn't usually the strongest person in the weight room. Right. So we all, we all have our gifts and our talents like anything else. So... If you want to work towards a goal, work towards that for a while and see how that happens. But don't say, hey, you know what? I want to get super strong, but I want to lose a bunch of weight too at the same time. Because that doesn't really work a whole lot. Um, yet you have a lot of quote unquote athletes that think, hey, you know what? I'm going to get so much stronger, but yet I'm going to lose weight in the season. And it doesn't really, usually the, the, the men and women that are 
super strong and lift the most weights, they're a little heavier, right? But the people that are super lean and that are the runners and stuff like that, they're not maybe as strong as the people that are lifting the weights because they don't have the mass and the size. So the problem is we all look to the exceptions. Like you look at T.O., you look at Hussein Bolt, and it's like, man, those guys are jacked and they're fast. Like, yeah, it's because they're not human. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy on the cover of Men's Health isn't human, and he probably isn't doing it on his own. He's probably well, Photoshopped, too. He's probably Photoshopped, and he probably has a few drugs in him, if I had to guess. <laughs> well, and, and, and Jeff, you bring up a good point because, again, there's always going to be the exceptions to the rule. And don't compare compare yourself to yourself. Yeah. You know, don't compare yourself to your neighbor or the – you know the the other people because uh we all have our own in genetics that you, you get you got what you got i wonder if like the whole social media scene has made the job harder for trainers because you go to instagram and everybody's got a page and it's off it's all filtered and everyone looks shredded and ripped and in shape and it's like dude i want to get there like matt how come like i'm not there yet like i wonder if it's getting harder for for trainers I don't think it's getting harder. I, I almost think in a way it's it's benefited us as trainers just because people are so concerned with the way they look when they yeah. put pictures on or they're I mean, when I was growing up, mom and dad would take a roll of film down to the beach and like mom would take pictures of you on the beach. You didn't know what they looked like till about three years later till they finally <laughs> got the film developed. But now it's like it's an instantaneous picture. It's like, oh wait a minute, like didn't pull the belly in enough, like let me yeah. flex the biceps is like right. You know, my wife's taking that picture. So the social media and, and I know having um, kids and that they post stuff all the time. Like they want to look, everybody wants to look their best. And, it, and it's something that is, you know, very encouraging for our profession. It's just people need to understand that, you know, we're, we're all human too. And, and it's, it's not something that is always achievable. So watch how lofty you set your expectations because a lot of people get in and do some dangerous things to achieve a certain look that isn't necessarily healthy. Does it also lead to a lot like people claiming they can help others without having the expertise to do so? I mean, I have to imagine that along with the Instagram and social media of people putting all these pictures up, there's also a lot of people who hold themselves out as like, trainers in some form or fashion you know like i can get you there and like have no education or no experience to be able to do that you know appropriately safely in a healthy way other than like they've done they're posting what has worked, what for, worked them. for them yeah. right well right. and and you you bring up a good point they say if you want to look a certain way don't talk to the person that looks that way talk to the person that didn't used to look that way, but now look that way that they actually have made a change because some people were just, you know, naturally lean or, um, I I worked with a woman one time and and she had really nice looking shoulders and everybody would always say to me, how does she get her shoulders to look like that? And I always take them aside and I say, her shoulders have always looked like that. It's nothing I like her, like God made her shoulders like that. I didn't make her shoulders like that, but yet People would look at her and say, I want her shoulders. I'm like, well, you can't really do that. Um, the same way that young men would look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's biceps and say, what does Arnold do for his biceps? And I'm like, well, he's Arnold. Like, those are his biceps. And, you know, so we can improve your biceps, but they ne- may never look like Arnold's, but you can get better for you. Um, and, yeah, so some of those people that just physique-wise look a certain way, mm-hmm. they may put their pictures on social media and say, hey, I can get you like this too. And yeah. it's kind of a not great you know it's a selling point for them but yet don't be fooled just to think that like hey just because they look like that they know how to get you to look like that right. um because you're not them yeah i'll also add that you know the, the working out component as mike was talking about is um it's you know you definitely you, you have to work out you you know you should work out to stay healthy it's it's good for everybody no matter how intense or not intense you are it's, it's always good to do something um and, and do something that you enjoy. But a lot of times what people look past and they'll always say, you know, I, I, I run or I walk or I work out so I can eat and drink. Well, it doesn't really work that way either. You know, you, you just don't go don't go, go run to say, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it sounds good, but yeah. if you're working off a bunch of calories that you drank or ate the night before, it's like, well, if you drank or ate less of those calories, 
then you won't have to spend as much time working out and getting maybe getting sweaty as much just to, <laughs> to pick on Megan a little bit. But, so he uh, had said something. I, I believe he ended this comment with like, and that's how some people can end up getting hurt is because they're doing things that just the wrong way. This may be a little bit of a loaded question, but I think I think a lot of personal trainers kind of feel that way about CrossFit. Do you kind of fall into that same category? Um, I fall into the category of no exercise is bad. CrossFit isn't bad. Yoga isn't bad. Running marathons isn't bad. It might not just be for everybody. Um, and that's, I think, a lot of times what happens with CrossFit is because it's a group exercise class, somebody not might not be ready for some of the exercises, but yet because they're in a class and it's not one-on-one, that some people may try to do some things that they shouldn't be trying to do or may not be ready for at the time, and that's what might end up hurting them. Um, the, the same way with anything else, that um, a lot of people think running is the end-all to cardiovascular exercise, that, well, I used to run, I'm going to go out and run. Well, you haven't run in 10 years. Like, why are you running on the, your first day out? Maybe go for a walk. Maybe go for a walk for a couple of weeks and then start slowly back into running because uh, – we, we, we all think, well, I used to do it. I can just pick up and do it. Well, your body's aged and it might not be safe. Do you find um, turnover wise? Are you, are you like how, how, how much churn do you have with your clientele? Or is it pretty, is a pretty good stable of like Jeff and people like Jeff that are longtime clients? Um, I, I, I find that I have more long-term clients than, than the turnover um, to the point that if somebody's committed and, it fits to their schedule. It really works for them. Um, I, I know for myself that if, if I get into a routine and, and the time fits and where I work out fits, like it, it's just a good centering for everybody and it kind of um, keeps you accountable. And, and that, that's a big part of it for people that work out that um, everybody, everybody kind of falls off the wagon a little bit from time to time. And they say, you know, I think somebody made the comment when we first came in today as far as working out or, you know, skipping it and or if Mike was going to go home and watch the Flyers or whatever, that so- sometimes we'll, we'll find other things to do just because we get bored or lose interest. But if you have somebody waiting for you or you have a, a trainer or a class to go to, it's like, well, now the class, it'll kind of push you to get it done. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I have more long-term people. Yeah. Um, now, I do also have people that come in and they just they want to kind of understand – or get evaluated on how they do their exercises and get a routine put together that maybe they're going to take to one of their local gyms. Um, that I often do that for people too. They will spend a couple hours just putting something together and then they at least have an idea that they're doing the things properly. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. But then I thought I was doing stuff properly. Like I'll get exercises from him. I'll do them with him. I'll go to the gym. I'll, I'll spend a week or two doing them by myself and I'll come back and he's like, well, you're like completely doing it wrong. Not just maybe a function of me. But I, I would, I would imagine when you're not there, and this is another question I had for you. Like I, I, we equate what you do a lot to what we do. We're working with people. We're providing advice. And there's a, a handful of people that will never get financial advice and are just going to fail. There's another group of people that um, kind of do it on their own and will probably be successful. They're not going to run out of money. They're going to be okay. They're going to be able to retire. and They're, they're going to be all right. If that group hired us, they would probably be even better. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that kind of analogy exists in, in your bit? Like I can, you can give me workouts and I can go do them on my own. But if I worked out with you every time I worked out, I'd probably be on a, 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 oh. a different level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And again, with somebody standing over, you're always going to work out harder than if you do it by yourself. Right. Or, or more correctly. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And that's, that's basically what we bring to the table is, you know, the accountability factor, the, the proper form and working out to the best of your ability. And, and basically it's, it's saving time. How, how many of us in the room have gone to an exercise program and basically, or to the gym and you end up doing the same stuff and, or, you know, what should, everybody walks in the gym for the most part. And well, what am I going to do today? Oh, I'll do this machine, that machine, but there's no real game plan. There's no goal setting. There's no nothing. So it, it comes down to saving time and we all have lives outside of no, nobody wants to spend a lot of time working out, right? Like an hour a day or less, like, because you have other things you want to do being in the business for so long. If, if I have 
friends that want to go to lunch or, hey, we're going to do this this afternoon, that, like skip your work. Yeah, sure. Like, why don't we skip our workout? Be- because I, I don't want to be in the gym all afternoon. I want it to be, I want it to be effective, efficient, and, and not take a long time. So that's with a trainer. They're going to cut that down and, and, hey, you're going to get in. You're going to warm up. You're going to do your exercises. And it lasts an hour. Yeah. You've mentioned goals a lot, and that's something that we deal with a ton too. And this isn't really a question as much as it's a comment, but your answer to somebody saying like, how do I do this or how do I achieve, like how do I get the shoulders or the the biceps? And it's like, okay, well, let's be a little more specific about what you're trying to accomplish. I feel like that's so, so much of what we deal with and people say like, how should my investments yeah, be allocated? There's so many similarities. And so, it's like, yeah. I can't answer that question knowing nothing about you. Yeah, I can't yeah. tell you how to lose 10 pounds knowing nothing about the way you live or what your current workout regimen is or how you eat. Like, it's well, I can just, just give you really bad advice. Don't eat for the next week. Sure, yeah, sure. Say, it's like the Susie Orman of... of yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> the generalization, yeah. yeah. But to, do, they know, do they know what their goals are? As far as when they come in for financial planning, do they have a specific set agenda on what their goals are? Because in, in my business, when when Mike mentioned get in shape or be in shape, that what like I mentioned earlier, what does that mean? Yeah. So in the fitness industry, what I can tell you the 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 majority of people here, especially as an adults, here's what your goal is, and. I can, when I say this to people, they just shake their head and be like, yep, I'll take that every day of the week, is we want to maintain our muscle and lose our fat so we essentially look better naked. So that person, when we're walking into the bath, into the shower at night and taking off our clothes, we're like, wow, like, you know, we like the way that person looks, not having clothes on, that type of thing, because why we've decreased our fat levels and we've maintained our muscle mass. And that's universal, men, women. Now, again, if you're training for a specific sport or event, that's different. But for the most part, that is adult as we live. That's what we want um, because it, it's just it's it's universal. And that's so my, my question was that when people come in, I, I help kind of guide them yeah. to what some of their goals are because, again, doing it long enough, we, we know what our goals are. And I'm sure you guys kind of – it probably is a similar process as far as when people come in with advice, you've seen it enough to say, all right, well, let's look at this and look at this. That is it similar in that way that if their goals aren't real specific, that you help them clarify them? It's it's like so similar. Yeah. I want to be comfortable. Okay. What does that mean? You want to be comfortable? Yeah. I, I, I want to be able to spend and not worry about how much right, I spend. Right, right, and right. then it's it's also like beyond the the finances. I think there's there's typically a very specific reason people engage with us. You know, it's I'm retiring. What? How do I take income? Or I just inherited a bunch of money. What do I do with it? Like there's like one or two very specific reasons. But then our job, kind of as you're describing, is to think bigger than that too. Is to understand like okay, we need to be specific, but there's more to your financial plan than this inheritance, right? There's a lot of other things that through experience we know to look for and ask about. And it it guides that goal-setting conversation mostly smoothly. Uh, you know, there's some people who are really good at that exercise and can very clearly articulate what they want mm-hmm. their money to accomplish. There are a lot of people who suck at it and a lot of people who need that kind of like you know, okay, well, what about this? What about this? That, that, what's the word I'm looking for? Like egging on, encouragement. encouragement. Yeah. Very few of them have it done before they come see us. Yeah. Very few have the, the, the goals as granular as we like them before we meet with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that might just, I think, again, universally, human nature is people are a little scared of goal setting. Sure. Because it means that yeah. they would have to sell themselves that they didn't do something. That's improved. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. sets you up for failure if you don't reach them. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. I think I have a little bit of beef with goals for that reason generally, <laughs> but we don't have to get into well, that right it, now. It, it, but, but again, Megan, with that being said, it, it's something where when we go back to the exercise thing, that, that if Jeff's going to beat his goal of running a faster 5K, how likely is he to meet that goal all the time? So he ends up with this disappointment. Right. Whereas if his goal was, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to run a 5K today. And today's a day where 
you know, Matt told me I don't have to care how fast or slow I do it. I'm just going to do it. And then if he does it three minutes slower than he did, then that's fine. And, yeah. and he doesn't, he didn't fail. He accomplished the goal of today's, today's a fun run. Totally with you. Right. I would, or, never, or the today, way, or, I would never do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that could never apply to Jeff. I was thinking that, but I, yeah. I agree. I think the framing of the goal, right? Not to work, lift X amount every day, but to get to the gym every day or to get to the gym. Like it's just, you're way more likely to achieve and not feel like you failed when they're, you know, a little bit less specific, which I guess is hard to, to find that balance. But uh, you, you, you bring up a good point though, because that's, that's it in general, just finding that balance yeah. where it's again, just being happy and content that, and, and not shaming ourselves for, because again, I, I always tell people there's a, there's a, a, a journey song called Be Good to Yourself. So whenever people come to the gym and I'm like, yeah, how you doing? Well, I didn't I didn't eat good last night or I didn't do this. or I, And I said, well, well, did somebody tell you? No. Well, why are you being so hard on yourself? Like everybody else out there in this great big world be hard on us. Like be good yeah. to yourself. Yeah. And yeah. that's. You're not a yeah. you're not a horrible person because you slipped up and had a slice of pizza right. and a beer. Like <laughs> life goes on. Like you, there's worse things to do. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> pizza and beer. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Yeah, good. Yeah. Top five fictional political characters. Who wants to go first? I know you don't. Like I'll, this, I'll Mike. start <laughs> because mine are mine are probably the worst. I had a hard time with this one. Mostly because I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of the movies that <laughs> that have these characters. Um, I'm going to start with the guy who played David Palmer in the in 24, the Kiefer Sutherland uh, okay. series. Yeah, he's the Allstate guy. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Yeah, he's he the was... dad from Love and Basketball. Okay, what was he? He was in good. He good was like movie. He, he was like a president. Uh, okay, yeah. all right, um, all right. That's a good one. He, he was good in the role. Um, a while ago, but I was going. I'm gonna go with Leslie Nope, played by Come Amy on. Poehler, Parks and Rec. She was a mayor. That's of, rude. <laughs> we never overlap. We never right, overlap. No. I saw that one, and I wasn't familiar She's with it. Uh, politician so. in it. It's so. the best show. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you would like it, but it's good. Um, I'm gonna go Kevin Klein in Dave. Did you ever see oh, Dave? Oh, I brought that up to Meg when I was explaining Dave? this. Dave, remember I told you he was oh, like yeah. the no, the sub. A, he's the sub president. Yeah. He was like the the lookalike body double who yeah. stood in, and then it was a had, great movie. Yeah, I forgot. Just, yeah. It was a great movie. Did you ever see that, Matt? Dave, no, it's a good one. And then my last two are from the same series. I got the guy who played Jonah Ryan in Veep. So Did I've never Veep? seen Veep. Mm-mm. So he's the president? No, he was just a, like a senator. Is, okay, <laughs> he's a, I don't I forget his name. He's hilarious. He's real tall and gangly and goofy, but just Veep's hilarious. pretty funny. Veep's hilarious. Yeah. And then uh, my number one is the same thing. It's um, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She was great. Joffrey Lannister, the son who became king okay. in Game of Thrones. All, literally, all you wanted to do every episode is watch this kid die. And he was around for like a few seasons. So it was, it was, he was tough to watch. Yeah, not bad. Frank Underwood, absolutely, from... Uh, I went Claire. Okay. We're not on your list, mate. <laughs> Frank what, Underwood. What, what are they from? House of Cards. Cards. Is William Cutting, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Gangs in New York, does that qualify, or was he a gangster and not a politician? I don't know. I don't think I saw We'll it. give it to you. Um, Jed Bartlett, uh, Martin Sheen in West Wing. He was a really good president of the United States. Never saw West Wing. Mm-mm, either. Um, would um, Abe Lincoln, the vampire hunter, would that qualify? <laughs> or is that too much of a, of a true That's character? A reach. That's a reach. All right. Well, then I have to go with pre- President Hathaway. Well, uh, Stephen Colbert was President Hathaway. He was the president of the United States in uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. He was a cartoon president. He was hysterical. He was hysterical wow. in the movie Monsters vs. Aliens. <laughs> All right. All right. It's going to be a tough one to follow that. Um, I also had Leslie Nope. I have uh, Dee Dee Standish. Have you guys seen The Politician on Netflix? She is, um, I think she's a senator of New York, 
But the drama surrounding her character is that she's a member of a throuple. Okay. So it's just an interesting storyline. She's badass in the show. <laughs> What's it I, called? The politician? The politician, yeah. yeah. Um, Claire Underwood from House of Cards. I have in this, I have to give Jeff. Well, a- well, hold on. What was Claire? Did you watch? She How was, far into it did you get? I don't think I got through the last season. She's Vice and then Prez. And president. Oh, no yeah. way. Yeah. I'm going to have to finish it. Yeah. Oh, she's dope, like, as the seasons progress. Okay. I mean, I got to the point where he was Prez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she All goes right. VP Prez. Gotcha. Um, Charlotte Field from, uh, what's the, the long shot? Charlize Theron. The long shot. The show, the TV, the movie you told me to watch. Oh my God! Yes, she's yeah, Secretary yeah, 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 of State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she almost made my list. That was because that was she was she was awesome in that. She was awesome in that. Highly recommend. I mean, that. Charlize Theron. I know is she could friggin' awesome. Read dude. the dictionary. Um, <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy's character in Coming to America. Oh, dude, <laughs> oh, that could be the winner. One. Prince Akeem. I, I literally just I, that was like the, the one day. I was so. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go with him or Arsenio Hall. They were both awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah but that I, could be the winner, dude. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one, Meg. Thank you. You're up, brother. Okay, I completely bombed on this assignment. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it, it oh, didn't even. <laughs> maybe I was too busy reading the articles. <laughs> but uh, as I sit here and uh, a little shout out that I know my family will enjoy, I'll go with uh, the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I'll go Hugh Grant in Love Actually being the British Prime Minister. Okay. okay. Not bad. That's a good so, one. Uh, Not bad for we'll on your feet. It. They'll yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah, we spend a lot of time researching these. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so come in and get your financial planning. So they have more. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks Matt. for having me. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. Fun. Good stuff.